Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. This is the place where you'll find real conversations with real sales leaders about how you can leverage sales technology to get ahead of the pack. Improve your sales numbers by taking advantage of emerging technology before your competitors get there first. They'll share everything from the trends they're seeing in the marketplace to actionable strategies that you can use to make more sales today. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen. On. Here's your host, Morgan Williams. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Williams, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing David Hensel. David is the owner of TaskDrive. TaskDrive takes over all the labor-intense sales development tasks so your team can focus on closing more deals. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Thank you very much for having me on, Morgan. Absolutely. Thanks for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Can you kind of walk us through your background and how it's led to what you're doing now over at TaskDrive? That's a pretty long story, but I do my best to keep it short. Um, <laughs> I'm originally from Germany. I've always been an entrepreneur, had a few businesses in Germany, but my big dream was always to move to the United States um, because the startup ecosystem was much bigger. Um, you know, back then in Germany, there, especially where I was living, there was like no startup scene whatsoever. So I sold my e-commerce business that I had back then, which gave me the funds to get my investor visa in the United States. And I moved over in 2009 to Los Angeles and I co-founded a content delivery network called MaxCDN, which we sold um, successfully three years ago. And after selling um, MaxCDN, I wanted to do more of a people business because it was like very high tech back then. Mm. And... My business partner, Samir, who was a head of sales at MaxCDN, he started Task Drive um, like five years ago or so. And the reason why I started Task Drive was that we had these high-paid sales guys in Los Angeles in our office doing, you know, list building, LinkedIn research, et cetera. And we thought like, hey, this is, you know, somebody else can do this at a much more cost-efficient way. And this is kind of how the idea of Task Drive was born in the first place. And... I, after the sale, I moved back from Los Angeles to Turkey. I live in Bodrum, Turkey now, which is kind of random. My my <laughs> wife wanted to move back to Germany because she wanted to be close to the family and our daughter growing up close to the family. But I couldn't go back to German weather. So after, you know, being in Southern <laughs> California for so long. <laughs> and um, yeah, so now, now we're here for a few years. I bought TaskDrive from Samir. Okay. And yeah, I've been growing it ever since. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. That's a very interesting story. Always great speaking with international guests and getting their viewpoint on just startups, business. Um, it looks like you've, you, you've done quite a lot in your career. I'm, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a very interesting background and, and roadmap that you've taken. What sort of 
lessons did you learn about startups and growing a business all the way to, you know, selling it, exiting with when you started and grew and sold Max CDN? Pretty broad question. I want to try to narrow it down to a few things that I think are really essential. I've been doing this for 20 years now, and um, MaxCDN was the, by far the biggest business that I had so far. And with MaxCDN, we really realized that it's super crucial to have your mission, vision, and core values really nailed down. Um, this will help you on, on many fronts in your business in terms of really nailing this down. It's also, you know, in terms of the positioning, um, who are you really catering to and that you really pick your niche and provide an offering that's really fitting to this niche and going deeper versus wider. Mm. I think in, in today's market, this makes it so much easier to stand out and to attract the right customers. It's a really tough thing to do because, you know, naturally we always think like, oh, I'm going to offer everything to everybody and I have more customers. Yep. But it's actually the opposite. It takes a lot of guts to say like, okay, I will only focus on this vertical and, you know, I'll only make these type of customers really, really happy. But it's really necessary to stand out in, in the noise of the market these days. Interesting. What what types of things did you do with the positioning of your company and your marketing and your communications with customers to make sure that you kind of kept things narrow and, and served a specific niche? So um, let me give you the MaxDN example. With MaxDN, we started out with a company called NetDNA, which was an enterprise-focused CDN. CDN is a content delivery network, something like web hosting to make websites load faster. And we thought, okay, we'll just like offer it a little cheaper than the other guys and everybody will come and buy from us, which was not the case. So we sat down and thought, like, hey, how can we really figure out what is needed in the market and how can we really provide massive value to a certain group of people? And we saw back then that CDN was an enterprise game and startups and smaller businesses couldn't have access to a CDN because it was a you know long B2B sales cycle to actually buy CDN to get access to it. And then they wanted annual contracts and $500 minimum a month. And this was just not feasible for most startups. So we thought, mm -hmm. okay, let's make CDN as accessible as possible for as many people as possible and as easy to use as possible. So we launched this other brand called MaxCDN, which had this focus and this, it really took off and we grew very, very fast and we hired a lot of people and we, you know, as what I mentioned in the beginning, it's so important to have your mission, vision and values nailed down as um, we had figured out our mission, which was making CDN as accessible as possible and as easy to use as possible. But then we hired a bunch of people and we didn't tell these new people what we're about and which led to us running into 10 different directions. You know, our, mm. our new head of engineering, who was at Splunk before, thought it's a good idea to build this crazy analytics engine, which was really awesome, but only for 5% of our customers. And the rest of our customers, like, you know, it's like, okay, that's nice, but what do I do with this? And, you know, our new head of sales was running after big enterprise customers, even though we had established that we're going, you know, we're for the mid-market and... By doing this, you know, we ran into 10 different directions and things were just not moving anymore. And we realized that this was due to not having our mission, vision, and values clear. And then we sat down and figured this out again and we took off again. Mm, very interesting. I'm glad that you highlighted mission, vision, and values. Uh, I feel that that's something that gets glossed over a lot by people. Yeah, you know, yeah, sure. You know, mission, vision, values, you know, my mission is to make money, right? You know, stuff like that. <laughs> And, Money um, is a side effect of providing value. You know, if you all just got to figure out like how can you provide, if you manage to provide as much value as possible to as many people as possible, you'll be the richest dude around. You know, I, I like, like that. I like that a lot. 
yeah, I heard uh, something similar I like to, to, to call on is, you know, money flows to where value outranks it, you know, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, so to, to what you said before, like I was uh, among that camp as well, thinking like, hey, mission, vision, values, it's some useless stuff that you put into a PowerPoint presentation and or maybe somewhere on your website and you'll forget about this. And I was just not aware of like that, that this is actually a very useful tool to make decisions in your business and to hire the right people, et cetera. So it's, it's actually really crucial. And I was too young and dumb to realize this. <laughs> you can really see it in the companies that really take that to heart. It really comes through and uh, is transparent when you come in contact with the company, when you're talking to them about you know, questions or you're looking to, to buy from them, you can really feel that kind of kind of echo through um, the communication. So very glad you said that. Um, interested to hear, you know, what your take is on, you know, some trends that you're seeing now in marketing and, and sales technology. In terms of marketing and sales technology, I see something that's getting bigger and bigger, which is a video in all shapes and forms. Like if you run ads, if you do just static ads it does not nearly convert as well as a uh, as a video that you shoot, even if the video is just like something you shoot on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of B2B sales, which is our current focus with Task Drive, we see a lot of success when we include videos in the outreach. So mm-hmm. let's say we reach out to somebody, say like, hey, can we show you how we could, you know, can I send you a personalized video on how we can help your business? And they say, yeah. Yeah, okay, sure. It's no cost on, on the recipient's end. And then you just use something like Vidyard or use Loom where you record your screen and your face and you just like walk through their website or through their offering and give them some tips on like how your service could help them to reach their goals. It's very quick. It's, it's very fast to get, get these things done and they're very impactful because they see that, hey, it's actually catered to this person. You really took the time to record something for them and it, it allows you to explain what you do, you know, because like you get so many emails and you just gloss over about the video you'll more likely watch. And actually a friend of mine launched a service called Video Signature, which is basically for, um, they create a video, 60 second or 30 second video about you and, and your company. And you put this into your email signature. So people that you're working with or, you know, communicating with can actually make a picture on like, who's behind this email that's coming there. And this is really powerful to, to make this human connection, you know, cause like so, so many things are just like happening on the web or via, mm-hmm. you know, text communication. And you know, this may, makes the human connection happen. Interesting. You mentioned that at TaskDrive you use video outreach. What does your process look like in, in regards to how you contact prospects, how you engage potential customers, you know, of course, as much as you're, you're willing to reveal, but how do you, sure. how do you personalize that for your prospects who you're looking to, to do business with? We do this actually more for our customers than for ourselves. I think on the, yeah, it's kind of a, a trade secret or an opinion of mine that when you are an outbound company that helps people to do outbound, there's so much noise of these companies reaching out to, to prospects that it's really hard to penetrate because it's kind of viewed yep. as spam. You know, so I think content marketing or referral marketing is, is way more efficient. But we do this outreach via video very successfully for customers of ours. And this can be, you know, just like a, either an email or 
a LinkedIn connection request where we asked the customer or where we asked the prospect, like, hey, um, cool thing. I like what you do at XYZ company. Um, I think we could really help you with blah. Do you mind if I send you a quick video, personalized video on how we can help you? And then if the response is positive, then you just record this quick video where you tell them how you can actually help them su- you know, succeed and you send them this video and that's the entry point. And then, yeah, next call to actions. Let's jump on the call and there's that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What types of things are you doing for your customers to make sure that you are contacting the right prospects or to make sure that you are deploying this? It's definitely more involved than just sending a you know quick email or a quick LinkedIn message. I imagine that there's more work on the front end that you guys are doing to kind of drill down to make sure that you are, you know, targeting the right prospects and making sure that your energy is going into the right places. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we often create the Dream 100, Dream 100 customers for mm-hmm. our customers. And then it's really account-based marketing because I think just like reaching out to everybody and their mom is having people. But if you reach out to somebody and you really have something that is a really good fit for this person, um, then it's fine to contact them. So there goes a lot of effort into the research to figuring out, you know, the people that really fit into the ICP, the ideal customer profile, mm. and then um, reaching out, not just like send them like a, a 20 drip email with cat videos at the end, trying to be funny. The stuff doesn't work anymore versus mm. <laughs> the, the, stuff that, you know, the stuff that works is that you do an omni-channel outreach, that you connect with them on LinkedIn, that you, send them an email that you follow them on Twitter, that you comment on their LinkedIn posts and that you really engage with this other person that they see like, hey, this guy or this girl really wants to talk with me and that they're serious about this and kind of really playing the long game, not just like the spray and pray, but just like being more surgical and yeah, really connecting with these people. Or like um, conference outreach also works really well to figure out like where these people are going, if they're attending certain conferences or if they're in certain cities to go and meet up with them, you know, reach out like, Hey, I'm going to be in your neighborhood next week. Do you want to grab coffee? And I was like, just really see that there's effort behind this and they, you know, and have these customized detailed messages, not just like a blanket praying spray. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We see that the stuff is, is actually working. The long game is working. Just the short blasting a few thousand people and getting good responses just doesn't work anymore. Mm. It loops back to what you're saying about establishing that human connection. You know, people can tell very quickly when you've gone through, done that upfront work to make sure that, hey, this person isn't just reaching out to me because I'm in this industry and one of a thousand people on a list. They're reaching out because, you know, they've identified that they can actually help me. And entrepreneurs and business owners, they actively want to grow their businesses, you know, they want to do better. And if they're confident that you are taking the steps to, you've done the upfront work to make sure that that you're a fit and not kind of offloaded that on them and that you actually have something valuable to present you with or to present to them that can help them, they will give you their time. Not everyone, but it is definitely much higher than just kind of hitting up a, a large list. Um, takes more effort, but it's definitely a you know a higher success rate. Um, I know you mentioned some things about international sales and, and startups before. Can you kind of expand on on that and kind of what you're seeing in the marketplace? We've been, you know, maybe because I'm from Germany, I live in Turkey now. I'm, I'm kind of traveling a lot, and um, 
go to a lot of conferences and meet a lot of people. Um, one trend that I've been seeing is that companies want to sell internationally. You know, once you're not hitting the 100% growth year over year in, in the States anymore, then you, know, you think, okay, maybe it makes sense to focus on other other ge- geographical regions, you know, like maybe just like take the step. And, and also in the States, I think everybody and their mom wants to sell to people. The whole world wants to sell to people in the United States because this is like the dominant market. And they think, okay, this is where everything's happening. But if you just go to Canada or to the UK or whatever, there's a lot of growth opportunity there. Yeah, this is what we also provide. We provide multilingual agents as well at Test Drive. I agree. There's That's definitely something that people in the U.S. just, I'm not going to say everybody, but, you know, a lot of people just do not think about, you know, they don't think about other geos. They don't think about selling outside of their region or, or their country. But I've noticed personally, too, that people in these, in geos, certain geos outside of the U.S., the response rates I've found are higher to outreach. They're not getting as many marketing and sales messages as people in the U.S. And um, I saw this in my backgrounds, actually in cybersecurity sales. And, you know, I'm a little biased, but I feel that's one of the toughest markets to sell into in the U.S. because it's growing very rapidly on the supply side. You know, there's a a new cybersecurity startup every minute or what have you. Right. But the number of buyers is relatively small. It stays, you know, relatively stagnant. There's constant staffing issues inside of the, you know, cybersecurity industry. There's a big talent shortage and more sellers and, and a slower rate of growth for buyers or a stagnant number of buyers leads to marketing fatigue of all these CISOs and CIOs who are getting constantly bombarded. Yeah. Bombarded. Yes. And, you know, I know you go to conferences. As you mentioned, conference outreach, and you know they'll tell you um, at these conferences that that's when you can. Of course, that's why conferences work so well because their attention's there, they're there to learn, and they're there to communicate and talk. And you've actually got some time with them. But yeah, they get like you said, bombarded with that and with sales and, and marketing messages. Are there any sorts of different, not necessarily techniques, but principles or maybe strategies too? Uh, if a company is starting to look internationally, maybe where should where they should start or how they should kind of approach people um, on an international scale? I mean, it really depends on what you're offering. And if you're a SaaS business, it may be fairly easy to, you know, selling into Canada is probably not a problem. But if you actually internationalization is quite a big undertaking, you know, if you really want to do it right, you translate your website, you offer customer service in another language and all your Collateral has to be translated. So it, it's actually a lot of work. Mm. I have an, another company that actually bought Task Drive. Um, it's called LTV Plus, and we provide live chat agents for e commerce stores. Um, and the pitch is any language, any time zone. And uh, on LTV Plus, we're, we're building up a large content library on how to go international. So I think it's going to, the first pieces will, will launch in the next few weeks. So if you want to. Go there and check it out, l3plus.com on the blog. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we can definitely link to that too in the show notes. For internationalization and, you know, just another example how less hammered other markets are. Um, in, I live here in Bodrum, Turkey, which is uh, in the south of Turkey. It's a few hundred thousand people live here. In the summer, it's a vacation destination. So in the summer, it's like 2 million people or so. 
And um, I started the meetup because I missed other online entrepreneurs because most people here are in tourism or real estate. So I thought, okay, let's put together a meetup for online entrepreneurs and see who's here. Not having any high expectations, but I thought, okay, let's just put up this meetup, create a Facebook group, and I created a, a video ad just like holding up my phone saying like, hey, hey guys, I'm David, just moved here from LA. Want to see if there's any other online entrepreneurs out there that's, you know, come to the meetup. And I promoted, I used Facebook ads, promote the video, and just went to bed. And I woke up the next day, I spent maybe $40, a little less, like 30 some dollars, and I had 35,000 views on this video. Wow. And only in, in the city where I'm living. So I went to the gym the next day, and like on the way, multiple people were like, I saw your video, I saw your video, I saw your video. Really? And I was like, so, and I had 280 people who want to come and I only had a room for 30 people. <laughs> so I started, <laughs> started wow. like an, an, an anti-campaign to push people away. But you know, <laughs> just, just an example, like, you know, other markets are. So it's just much easier to grow something. If you have a digital good, that's easy. You can easily translate and sell in, in these other markets. So there's a lot of room and it's, it's a lot less hard than, you know, versus fighting where everybody's fighting. Kind yeah. of like the blue ocean strategy versus the red ocean where all the fights are happening. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's remarkable. Um, very interesting. Definitely something to think about for people who are listening, who are looking for those growth opportunities. Thanks for sharing that that anecdote. Can you tell us a little bit more about Task Drive and aside from just, you know, the value prop, what you guys are working on currently, you know, your plans for this year and kind of how you're building it and kind of what you see for the future. I mean, TaskRev is pretty straightforward. We provide lead researchers and sales development reps to help B2B, to free up B2B sales reps so they can spend the majority of their time talking to potential customers or to upsell existing customers and to build like more relationships. And mm -hmm. yeah, we just do the legwork for them. That's pretty straightforward. We've been doing the lead research. This is how it originally started. and then we thought, okay, let's let's also offer the, the SDR portion. And in terms of what we are planning for the next uh, this year, we're it's all about making the customer experience better and adding more tools to our toolkit. We have um, thirty plus tools that we use, like databases or just like you know scraping tools and outreach tools that um, make us more efficient so the idea is that we're twice as fast and half the price versus your in-house team and we're just like always expanding on these tool sets and the next thing we're going to launch i think a few months out to really push it publicly is um, a slack integration so we're going to have like a, a slack bot where you can interact with with us through slack to just make the user interaction easier and more frictionless nice nice yeah and just kind of looking through the website I can see that um, you've really put a lot of effort into not just demonstrating the value of the service to the prospect, to the customer, but actually into your content and into educating the customer. Can you kind of tell me about the ideal customer profile of you know, a tax drive customer and and what you kind of do with your content and in your marketing to attract that customer and, and kind of bring them into your ecosystem? Sure. I mean, uh, in terms of content educating people, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, you know, you, if you provide value, 
money is a side effect of providing value. So we just want to put out good content that people will find and people see valuable. And then if they like it, they will talk to us and we can see how we can take care of their legwork. On the terms of ICP, in terms of the lead research, our ideal customer is a sales team that has five or 10 reps because these people are the ones that grow the fastest once they're with us. Um, with smaller customers, we often see that they get some research done and then they stop because they have too many leads and then they start again. Mm. So preferably it's like somebody who has like a bigger team that needs, you know, you have to feed the beasts Yep. that, you know, to keep the, the sales guys busy. And I think it's also something. So, you know, this, the problem with when you don't have a resource like us for a sales team is that, or for an individual sales guys, you do prospecting and then you have enough prospects and then you start to focus on selling and then you neglect the prospecting and then you don't have enough again. So it's like always this up and down. And what we do is we help you to have this consistency, consistent lead flow and consistent prospect flow. And on the sales development side, it can be also just an individual that, you know, like a, a realtor or, or somebody who just like needs a sales assistant who takes care of the any legwork that that may come their way. Mm. Yeah, I um, completely resonate with what you said about kind of the the seesaw of lead gen, right? Or the seesaw of sales and lead generation. First, you're doing lead generation, a ton of activity. It's starting to lead to results, but then you get to the point where your pipeline is uh, right, at yeah. capacity in terms of what you can handle. Mm -hmm. And now you're working on the deals and, and that's each deal is going to add more time to, to, to your tasks, daily tasks and what you're doing. And then by the time that you've, you know, kind of worked all these deals through, you're back at square one and you have to do legion again. So that is a definitely a serious problem that a lot of companies face, just building that predictable, predictable pipeline. What are some of the tasks that, you know, what you mentioned, like a sales assistant, like what type of tasks for the service you provide uh, there that what are they doing to help? They do um, the outreach part most of the time. They can also do the lead research, but um, so they do LinkedIn outreach, somebody who's interested to jump on a call and then they, they loop in the, the customer or, or the sales rep. So the sales rep can really just focus on these, building these relationships. But it can also be CRM cleanup, taking care of your, what's it called, the, the expense reports, et cetera, like any legwork task that you want to offload, we can basically take care. But the main focus of, of our customers is usually that we take care of the outreach part. Gotcha. Yep. It can be very, or it is very time consuming to handle that. So I can definitely see how that, that is valuable to people you help. Absolutely. David, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and learning about your background and you know what you're seeing in the industry and, and as well as Task Drive and, and kind of what you're building there. How can people get in touch with you if they want to know more about Task Drive or just want to ask you some questions based on some things you said today? Um, you can, of course, always go to taskdrive.com and check out the offering that we have there. But you can also send me an email at david at taskdrive.com or hit me up on Facebook. That's my preferred method of communication. Awesome. Well, thanks so much again for joining us today. Really do appreciate it. And uh, we wish you well. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Yep. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. If you love what you heard, be sure to head back to morgandwilliams.com and go over to the podcast page for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on the next value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and make sure to take action.